Welcome, everybody, to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. I am Doug. Over here is Bug. How you doing, man? What up? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm all right. Living it. What a what a week of college football, right? Hell yeah, man. Uh, we we picked a whole bunch of games to watch. <laughs> it's, it's kind of on us to an extent, but also made for a great time. <laughs> And even with picking like 28 games, we still missed so many great ones. This weekend was incredible. College mm-hmm. football is back and better than ever, especially the Pac 12, better than ever, legitimately. <laughs> right. Eight teams in the AP top 25 now. Their previous record was six at one time. So it's, it's just real sad that they're now the Tupac and they're going to get shot four times and lose most of their members. Actually, they're going to get shot. Uh, 10 times damn <laughs> only leave two of them left it's i thought we did i thought we were doing better locking up suge knight but no no we're uh oh, well, i know allegedly fortunately, fortunately both oregon state and wazoo are in that ap top 25 so nice to see uh the mountain west is gonna be looking real strong next year <laughs> right <laughs> oh man I'm excited for it. There's there's going to be a real shift in what a, a power five conference is here soon. And it's it's crazy to me, too, just how bad the SEC's been. Yeah, that is definitely true. I'm also thinking, I don't know that the power five group of five dynamic really exists anymore anyway. That's true, too. It feels like it's been a power two with four other pretty good ones and then four pretty bad ones for a little See, while. But, but you say that and that's all flipped on its head right now. Anyway. I know. I know. That's fair. <laughs> there, I, who knows? <laughs> that's why we play the games. That's what we were saying all of last episode. And you can't play games without having rules. So let's get straight into ours. Wow. What a weird and terrible and amazing transition. I know, I hit the trifecta there. (laughs) Uh, If you didn't notice, Tug's not with us. Uh, That is because he had too good of a week. This week in Pick'em, and we refused to let him gloat on air. Uh, So actually, we're going to, we might ruin it for him. We might say all of his games were shit. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Which is one of our rules. We get bonus points. If we pick additional games to watch and they're good, Actually, like our, we make good picks. Uh, we can get some bonus points in the pick 'em, where we're also picking every ranked versus ranked matchup and every rivalry matchup. So, a lot of games this week. Uh, I think I already said 28 this week. Next week will probably be slimmed down a little bit, but it'll, <laughs> it's, it's still a lot of fun. A whole lot it was, of- it was, it was all those early season rivalry matchups, which is great. Yeah. I love it, but at the same time, holy shit. A lot of games. <laughs> so this is where we stood at the beginning of last week. Before this week's picks, uh, Tug was in the lead. I'm bringing up the rear. I had to make up some ground. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that went. <laughs> Best place to start is those ranked versus ranked matchups, which we did have seven technically, the way we do things around here. Uh, starting us off, Ole Miss at Tulane. 
got to be honest, this is going to be the story for a lot of games this weekend. Felt like a tale of two halves. Yeah. Tulane looked freaky dominant for some reason in the first quarter and a half. And then, well, maybe the first half of the first quarter, Ole Miss looked great. And then it was Tulane. And then it was Ole Miss the rest of the way. So 37-20 is your final score there. Which, you know, we talked about the the SEC not doing great this week and really all season. This is what Ole Miss did in this game is typically how the SEC performs in these non-conference games early in the season. They do normally show some weakness and some kinks in the armor early trying to figure their opponent out because maybe they misjudge them, you know, whatever it is, and the talent really shines through. This is really the only situation where we saw that happen this week. And honestly, so far this season for an SEC against a non-conference opponent. One thing that did help Ole Miss quite a bit, Michael Pratt did not play. Kai Horton, the backup quarterback for Tulane, was in the entire game and honestly looked pretty great the first half. Again, <coughs> tale of two halves here in a lot of ways. Also got to say Tulane's defensive line impressed me a lot, but maybe that's more of an indictment on Ole Miss's offensive line. Who knows at this point? It's only week two. <laughs> Next, Next up, up, Weber State at Northern Iowa. You and I both went with the beer can in Northern Iowa, and it did not go well. Uh, yeah. Weber, <laughs> Weber State had their starting long snapper, so there was no goofiness going on. And, uh, yeah, the the home field advantage did not pay dividends for Northern Iowa, unfortunately. Theo Day ended up throwing three interceptions. That usually is not a good sign, and it was not a good sign here either. That's how that goes. Yeah, and, you know, Weber State was the higher-ranked team coming into this one, so they should have gotten a little bit of an edge on that anyway. Uh, and Tug liked the logo better, his words. So that's why he went with Weber State. Which, that is a new logo this year, and it does look pretty good. It does. I'll give him that. That's fair. It doesn't look all that different from last year's logo, though, which is kind of frustrating to me. It's but, not that whatever. much different, but it is definitely different once you start to dig into the details of it, and I do like it better. That's fair. But, Next, yeah, there's um, there's not a lot to ahead. say about this. Yeah, there's not a lot to yeah. say about this game. <laughs> it was three yeah. INTs, the three rushing touchdowns. Uh, I mean, yeah. you can kind of tell who how that game went. Definitely. Next up, this game was phenomenal. Montana State at South Dakota State. We called this as a potential semifinal or national championship preview match. It played like it. We all picked South Dakota State, partially because they were at home, I would say. I, I would be very tempted to go with Montana State if it were in Montana. But in Brookings here in front of a sellout crowd, came down to the last second like the very last second, literally. Uh, as time expired, it looked like Montana State caught a touchdown at the back of the end zone. It was reviewed for a very long time, and the refs finally ruled that Clevin Thomas was out of the back of the end zone when he actually gained possession of the ball. And looking mm -hmm. at it, I don't think I agree with that call, which would have meant Montana State won and skunked us. Uh, which I would have been fine with because that would have been incredible. But not how it went. 
Uh, ended up putting one second back on the clock, and Montana State couldn't do anything with it. So South Dakota State, it kind of survives this one. But also, just both teams were really good. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of went with them. I went with South Dakota State on the, the back of them being the defender, defending national champs. You're the champs until you aren't. And uh, they they came out and played like defending national champs. You know, this is a conversation we have a lot as well, both here and on our, on our Discord, which that is scrolling across the bottom. You should go check it out. Uh, but we have it all the time. Like, oh, you can't really compare it year to year because there's so much turnover. There's so much change. I wouldn't necessarily say that's the case for FCS college football. For one reason or another, it seems like there's a lot more consistency, even with the transfer portal now. Uh, and South Dakota State's been a staple program, a flag-bearing program of the FCS and of the Missouri Valley Conference for probably the past 10 years. They're, can, they're picking up right where they left off last year and where they've been for the past 10, 15 years. I know you said they came out playing like defending national champs. I got to disagree with the wording of that. This probably isn't what you meant exactly, but I mean, the first half, again, different tale of two halves here. Right. Montana State went up 10 nothing, uh, which <laughs> wild that that even happened. And then, yeah, the experienced quarterback, the FCS level, Mark Gronowski, came out and led the Jackrabbits to three touchdown drives. Very impressive. So, give the Jackrabbits their due. I will say, I put this in the notes before we actually got to see the stats perform. Top 25 come back out for this week, which it did earlier today. Montana State did stay at number three, which I Good. completely agree with. Good. They absolutely deserve it. And I mean, frankly, they I wouldn't even been upset if they had gone up to number two, depending on how that game went. I know several people did vote for them at number two. I so I wouldn't blame them. Yeah, it was it was a great game. Awesome, awesome. Next one uh, didn't end up as close as we thought. <laughs> also, hook them. This is the only time we hear me say it. This is the first ever loss. By double digits in Tuscaloosa with Nick Saban as head coach. This is the ninth ever loss in Tuscaloosa with Nick Saban, period, by any score. And three of those came in his first season. So this is a rarefied territory for the Longhorns to find themselves in beating Alabama 34-24 in Tuscaloosa. You were the only one to pick Texas. Yeah, I was. How'd that how'd that go for you? <laughs> it feels so good. Now, <clears throat> a couple things here. Both these teams were pretty one-dimensional. And this is just kind of from what I've looked at stats and replays and everything. The only piece of this game that I saw was the final touchdown by Texas. And it was a passing touchdown. It looked like Alabama was just absolutely lost on defense. They were yep. just gassed. They've been out there so much trying to make up for Jalen Milrow throwing two interceptions when Quinn Ewers on the other side, who I said was the X factor, threw none. Now, I will say Tug was on to something that the running game for Texas was not the same that it was last year with Robinson and Johnson, but it proved to not matter that much when you're able to produce turnovers against Alabama in their home stadium. 
the stunned looks, seeing the fans leave early from Tuscaloosa was absolutely delicious. Look, I don't know that Texas is back. I don't know that this is I don't know this is peak Alabama. We got I got plenty of people talking that I'm talking to saying a Jalen Milrow led Alabama team is a, at least a three loss, if not a four loss team. Will he get there eventually? Will he, you know, will next year will he improve and eventually be that quarterback that Nick Saban's been able to get and have the past few years? I don't know. The guy had to miss eventually. He's not going to get somebody hot right out the gate every single year. It looks like Jalen Milrow is that guy that he's going to have to develop. I'm curious to see how that all works out if Milrow's still going to be the starter at the end of the season. It's also very possible that Alabama still wins the national championship. Like, let's be real. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. going to happen now. Uh, Why'd you put it out in the universe? Gross. That's gross. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, we both missed two on this slide, and Tug missed one. This next slide yeah. is good for all of us because of those three FBS versus FCS ranked matchups, which, while entertaining and great to talk about, uh, the FCS team scored a total of 21 points. While the Seven FBS in each game. Yeah. At least we're consistent there. Consistency. Uh, while the FBS team scored, what, 100 and... I'm not math. doing math right now, dude. Yeah, I know I'm not counting. It doesn't matter. I'm not doing math. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, I do want to shout out. I know Ohio State only had 35 points, uh, and you could say that it looks like they took their foot off the gas there in the second second half of the game. I really don't believe that was the case, and Youngstown State's defense is pretty legit. So they they were able to stay in the FCS top twenty five as well here, even though they were at twenty five. You know, most people don't usually give a negative to an FCS school for losing to any FBS school, let alone one ranked like this. But it still wouldn't have been too surprising for people to forget about Youngstown State after losing at number twenty five, and. I I could definitely see this Youngstown State team being pretty scary in the Missouri Valley going forward just because of that defense. I mean, they forced a couple three and outs when Kyle McCord was still in the game, when Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Ibuka were still in the game. Like, this looked like a pretty solid defense. And I will say, too, Ohio State's clearly not firing on all cylinders just yet. But you look at the stats, Marvin Harrison Jr., Certainly played better than the week one. Yeah, it's it's what you expect to see. Yeah. Uh, props to Oregon State and DJ Uyagalele. Uh, it was 38 nothing at half. They were able to sit him the rest of the night. I really do hope this kid finds success. He's got the skills and the ability to do so. It looks like Oregon State might be the uh, the offense that he needed to actually click and show his full abilities. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, I don't. I don't really want to talk about Penn State. Of course, they won. They're playing either. Delaware. Fuck Penn State. Next up, <laughs> all these rivalries, man. There were like sixteen of them this week. Crazy. So so many. This game. This first one used to be like a, a, a after Thanksgiving rivalry week matchup. Now we're getting in week two. And uh, last year, you know, nobody cared about either of these teams, but this year, everybody's all about Colorado. The buzz has been around them. You know, Nebraska is not good, but there is still some people are like, well, maybe we'll get, you know, we'll get an actual measurement. I don't think we still can. Colorado dominated this one, thirty-six to fourteen. 
This was really the Shador Sanders show, though. I will say I saw a pro comp for Shador Sanders after the game that I actually kind of agree with on further reflection. Somebody compared him to a Geno Smith, which, yeah, I can kind of see, actually. But like if Seattle Geno Smith and not New York Jets Geno Smith, right? Maybe maybe a combination of Seattle and West Virginia Geno Smith. Okay, and just forget about the Jets entirely. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> no, I, I do want to say Tug's been trying to get Travis Hunter on the Heisman hype train for some reason, even though everyone in the world other than him knows it's never going to happen in a trillion years. Uh, I can also just guarantee right now it's definitely not going to happen after this week because he didn't score a touchdown or get an interception. <clears throat> so yeah. you're, you're already out. Take that, Travis Hunter and Tug. <laughs> Moving on, uh, this one this one was surprising, and it was a lot closer than I was expecting it to be. Number five in the FCS, Holy Cross, going to Boston College, and Boston College winning the Holy War 31-28. Yeah, this game was so close that I thought I had it at the end of the game here. I thought I was going to pull this one out. I was very excited. And then uh, and then Matthew Sluka fumbled it. So when, you, when your quarterback fumbles it, trying to get outside the pocket and create something, that's usually not a good sign, uh, especially with like just over a minute left in the game. But man, they were moving, and it looked it looked easy at sometimes for for Holy Cross to move this on Boston College. Like this is exactly the kind of game that I wanted it to be for my for my pick to have a chance, but just couldn't pull it out in the end. Yeah, I was I was a little nervous when I before I went to bed and I checked the score. I was like, oh man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little brutal. We'll see what happens here. This next one, though, I think this is the closest the I-35 rivalry's been since its yes. inception. Now, UTSA continues on to take a 5-0 series lead. I don't think Texas State or UTSA had football six years ago, so like this is a very young rivalry. And you got to realize these stadiums are probably 30, 45 minutes apart from downtown San Antonio, just up the road to San Marcos. This while this rivalry has been dominated by UTSA, trust me, both these teams hate each other because they're right there next to each other, and they're really fighting for fandom in San Antonio, the biggest TV market in Texas. Right. Well, behind Houston and Dallas, uh, I'm pretty sure San Antonio is bigger than both, or at least that's what I thought. I don't know. No. I could be wrong. Houston's like the fourth largest city in the country. San Antonio is like was the fastest growing. Either way, fighting for that market in San Antonio. <laughs> I, I get the, I, I know they're one of the biggest of something because everything's bigger in Texas anyway. Right. Well, Giggity. I mean, put it that way, then yes, Texas Uber Alice. Uh, this was this game was 10 10 at half. And then Frank Harris kind of, I don't know. It, I don't really understand what happened entirely. They didn't really talk about it explicitly. Looked like just kind of a leg injury in the first quarter. That led it to be 10-10 at half, but he came back out in halftime, and that felt like the difference in the game because UTSA could not move the second quarter without Frank Harris, which we've kind of known 
Frank Harris is the guy that we talk about every time that we talk about UTSA for a reason. Right. So, I'm interested to see what a fully healthy Frank Harris is able to do for UTSA because that team is going to be scary. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever get there at this point. It feels like this is just Frank Harris at this point. Right. That's what it is. Last but not uh, least, we had Cyhawk. This one was in Ames. And, uh, yeah, Iowa State almost pulled it out. Yeah, but there was a pick six. And <laughs> that's the most Iowa thing of all time. Not only did their defense score a touchdown, but they – they only let up uh, 10 – Iowa State scored 13 points here, but 10 of them came in the fourth quarter. Like, the defense already solidified this game for Iowa before Iowa State was really allowed to move the ball. So this defense was definitely the reason Iowa won. And, uh, yeah, the defensive score does count towards Brian Ferentz's total. <laughs> Is that confirmed? Yes, but <laughs> he still fell short of his 25 per game, so <laughs> not looking great. He is now six <laughs> points behind schedule on the road to 300. Yes. That's amazing. Uh, I'd say 300, that's that's 25 points per game over 12 games. You'd have to assume we're talking a bowl game as well. If you, you actually get the Iowa Hawkeyes to score 25 points per game, they're making a bowl 100% guaranteed. Oh, yeah. If not, the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> so, really, uh, maybe maybe 325, maybe 350 when all things are said and done is the goal here, which is just uh, that's a monumental task. For and, Iowa. <laughs> and, for, and for Brian Ferentz. Oh, man. Shout out to the Sickos Committee. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Ferentz is six points short of his goal at this point in the season. Brutal. Oh, man, that's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Next up, Marshall at East Carolina. Yeah, basically the game went exactly as I said it was going to. This is my one great prediction of the week. I get at least one. I'm, it to me. I'm no longer picking ECU. They're banished. I'm not <laughs> picking them. Rasheen Ali ran for three touchdowns. Uh, they didn't have a passing touchdown. Marshall didn't, except for their wide receiver threw a touchdown on a little trick play. Uh, it was wide open, but also it was like 40-something yards in the air, so I'll hand it to him. It was a decent throw. But the quarterbacks did not play well, uh, and ECU's quarterbacks didn't play well either. So <laughs> 31-13 um, is your final there. I'm not wild. picking ECU for the rest of the year. Norfolk State at Hampton, though, the Battle of the Bay. Norfolk State takes this one. I was alone in picking them. Allow me to gloat for a second. What did I call this? A trap game. What yeah. was it? A trap game. It felt exactly like that. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Christopher Zealous threw two picks in this one, too. Delicious. Like, I love Norfolk it. Norfolk State is just heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, next up, Cincinnati at Pitt on the CW Network. What a great, Wild. 
<laughs> Great way to watch football games. <laughs> Hopefully we got Wild. some commercials for the Flash in between all this. <laughs> what about Arrow? Or did they kill him? I can't remember. I don't know at this point. What I do know is that Cincinnati did win this game by six points. And Phil Yurkovic threw for uh, like 30% completion percentage, but also three touchdowns, no picks. So I don't know if you can really say he was awful, but it wasn't great. What was what was the yak like? That's what I'm curious <laughs> about. What was that yards after catch looking like? I honestly don't know. <clears throat> I don't know that. I think I think that's where all that's coming in from. Probably. Now the next one. <laughs> uh, yeah, Memphis. We all took Memphis, and thankfully they didn't let us down. The Butch Jones crying threshold is greater than 34. He did not cry uh, after losing this one. I don't know what is wrong with Arkansas State. They look, or they were not good last year. Don't get me wrong, but they at least came out in this game. They look completely lost, and Memphis very clearly pulled up at near the end of this one, and Arkansas State still couldn't get anything done. Man, this is uh, very confusing for Arkansas State. Great for Memphis, starting off the season 2-0, and uh, and two convincing ones as well. Going to help the confidence of a young team out there. Yeah, but it is Bethune-Cookman and Arkansas State. Confidence builders. Ohio State had one this year, too. I don't want to hear it. It is unnatural for us to have one, though. I, but it happened. Fine. Next <laughs> up. <laughs> I'm also Houston. disavowing Houston. I will never pick them again. Fuck the Cougars. Houston at Rice. Uh, Rice got out to a 28 nothing lead. Where'd that come from? Who knows? JT Daniels tied his career high in his 87-year college football career with 401 yards of passing. Uh, Luke McCaffrey caught a beautiful one-handed touchdown. Yes, brother of Christian McCaffrey. Ended up forcing overtime, though. This went to double overtime after Rice went up 28-0. So Houston very clearly fell victim to the trap game as well even though it is rivalry here. Kind of brutal. Can't be doing that. Disavowed, Houston. Disavowed. Next up, we had Jackson State at Southern. Now, I didn't I didn't doubt you or, or question you taking Southern. I thought there was some merit to it, aside from just not wanting to take Jackson State three weeks in a row. Uh, but, man, Southern just – they are who we thought they were, in the words of the late, great Dennis Green. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. I will say Jackson State scored on a couple of big plays, the biggest, of course, being that Andre Hunt 75-yard run at the end of the fourth quarter, or beginning of the fourth quarter, really. Uh, Southern just couldn't answer at all for anything. So 27-14, honestly didn't feel that close at some points in the game. So, yeah. kind of brutal. Just brutal. Next up, we had North Carolina A&T playing NC Central. Honestly, the North Carolina A&T gave it to NC Central a little bit more than I was expecting, although NC Central still comes up with the win here. Yeah, big shutout in the second half. Kind of what we've been saying all day. 
know, a tale of two halves here. NC Central out-talented them in the end. North Carolina A&T really came to play, but just can't keep up. And then we had we had an absolute blowout for Pac-12 after dark. Number six USC dominates Stanford, fifty-six to ten. Stanford, I don't know that they knew what sport they were playing. It was forty-nine to three at halftime. Kale Williams sat down. I guess so did basically everyone else because it was then a seven-seven game after the half, which that would have been fun to see. But no, we had to, we had to start off with forty nine to three. <laughs> gotta gotta pad those stats. Get the get the numbers up. Exactly. Gotta do it against these cupcake confidence builders like Stanford. Like Stanford, <laughs> like your your conference rival. Yeah. Next up for our games of the weekend, we each pick three games other than the ones we've already picked. And of course, starting off with you, Bug. Yeah, uh, there's been a trend of uh, my FCS games being senior military academies and me picking the senior military academies solely because I know how much Tug loves senior military academies. Uh, That trend is going to end. Yeah, (laughs) that trend is going to end at least at the FCS level. And since he's not here, Doug, I will fill you in. I'm going to pick a Virginia Tech game. I'm going to pick Texas A&M game the next two weeks, just how it's going to be. That said, the Citadel sucks ass. I literally yeah, picked you, them on. You the- got to take Navy a couple times. <laughs> I'll take I'll take Navy and Army at some point too. I'm sure. The Citadel sucks just ass. Never, just never Air Force. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> the Citadel sucks ass, and I, yeah. I literally only took them for the joke of this. I knew I was probably taking an L here. I'm gonna move straight on. They lost this one to Campbell, fifty-six to seven. What I did not expect was Boise State to come out and lose at home to UCF. Now, this game came down to the wire, almost went to OT, but John Reese Plumley, man, he is he is something else. The dual sport athlete is absolutely terrific at quarterback for UCF, and he helps lead them to an eighteen to sixteen victory. This was off the back of uh, Boise State missing a two point conversion going to. to uh, to force overtime, correct? Uh, we've got uh, it written here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Boise State yes. responded TD, couldn't get the two-point conversion. Yes, but also uh, that two-point conversion was to go ahead by three, not to tie it up. And gotcha. what happened was they missed the two-point conversion, and then Colton Boomer comes out and hits his third field goal of the day from 40-plus yards out. Incredible performance by Colton Boomer. Yeah, and I think what's crazy and what everybody needs to recognize here too is Boise State's 0-2. Their, their other non-conference game that comes to mind is against Memphis. That's going to be an amazing game. Boise State mm-hmm. in the Mountain West is going to be very dangerous. This is this honestly is going to be a very good year for the Broncos. I just don't know how it's all going to shake out in the end uh, because they are starting the season off to 0-2. I don't know if they've eliminated themselves from a potential New Year's Six Bowl at this point. They definitely have done that because there are a couple teams ahead of them in that race already. But I still expect Boise State to be really dangerous in the Mountain West the rest of the year. And honestly, huge respect to them. Washington was not an easy game to schedule. And you have a Heisman candidate at quarterback at Washington. Brutal way to start the season. Yeah, 56-10. to But what are you going to do? That just happens sometimes. Two-point loss 
to another Power 5 opponent here, which feels weird to say still, but that's what UCF is now. And uh, <laughs> FCS to Power 5 in like 10 years. Ridiculous. Hey, uh, 0-12 to national champs in like – Fuck years, off. We're uh, moving on. Illinois played Kansas on Friday. Yeah, uh, sure did. Man. <laughs> Illinois just doesn't have it, do they? It's all it's all Jalen the Kansas really lives and dies by Jalen Daniels. That's really what it all comes Definitely. down to, in my opinion. Definitely. Um yeah, and also you gotta you gotta look at Luke Altmeyer too. Quarterback for Illinois looked like dog water. So it doesn't help. He but is yeah, Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels back in playing well. Luke Altmeyer throwing two picks. Uh if if you're in a situation where you need to pass the ball as the fighting Illini, you're going to lose. Yeah. That's where you're at right now. It is but unfortunate. I'll give, you, I'll give you one good game this weekend. Give me but one. UCF Boise State was awesome. I think the Illinois Kansas game was not as close as the 11 point differential actually looks. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at it, I was like, at least I didn't have three bad games, so I'm not taking a loss here, but I didn't know if I could convince you of Illinois, Kansas. And without Tug, I'm not going to fight too hard to try and get you onto my side. I'll take I'll take my one and not have to worry about losing or gaining an extra point. It was 34-7, to and Kansas obviously took their foot off the gas, like in a big way. I mean, fair. Fair. <laughs> now I'll try to defend my picks a little bit here, but a couple of great ones to start off. Elon at Gardner-Webb ended up being a seven-point game. And, man, Gardner-Webb's defense looked really phenomenal to start this one off. And then, basically, everybody forgot how to play defense at the end of the game. 17-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter. Elon technically won the fourth quarter. Look at it that way. Gardner-Webb was able to hold on, though. 34-27. Just a really fun game against two teams that made the playoffs last year doesn't look like it's going to happen this year because <laughs> uh if you're going to make the playoffs out of the caa you kind of need to be able to win your non-conference games and gardner webb shut that down for elon so i'm looking at uh potential running bulldogs in the playoffs but no phoenix muskrats that's not what they are I said what they are. All right. Tug, Tug literally <laughs> took UT Martin because he liked the logo better, and I hate him for it. I know. It's pretty disappointing. I also hate it's... that he switched his pick to Kansas on the on the air last, last week, too. I know. I know. I really wanted to, to disallow that, but also he said it on air, and I felt bad not allowing it. So it's probably going to be a rule going forward, though, because Tug looked out this time. That's not okay. The rules are designed to negatively impact Tug. (laughs) (laughs) But this next game, Missouri State at UT Martin, uh, ended up being a seven-point game here as well. UT Martin went a 38-31. I got to say, pretty dang similar story to that Gardner-Webb-Elon game where UT Martin just looked dominant in the first half. I don't know another word for it. Like truly, legitimately outclassing Missouri State in every facet of the game. And then, out of nowhere, Missouri State 
just shows up, which is kind of what they do on a week-to-week basis. This time they did it twice in the same game, just uh, out looking like nothing and then showing up and playing phenomenally. Um, Missouri State was able to find a rhythm in the air in the second half. Jacob Clark threw for 332 yards, three touchdowns, no picks when it was all said and done because Missouri State figured out, hey, moving the ball is a good idea. <laughs> and then made this a, a touchdown game. Uh, so as much as Missouri State did it through the air, UT Martin did it on the ground. 259 yards and three touchdowns for Sam Franklin. Wild. I mean, just a, just a fun game full of huge, big plays. 81-yard touchdown run, 49-yard touchdown run for Sam Franklin. Uh Huge, big passes by Missouri State. It ended up being incredible in the second half. I will admit, though, I did kind of turn it off in the second quarter because I had to drive somewhere in between there, and I didn't turn it back on until late, and I was like, holy shit, what happened? What did I miss? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not thrilled about this one. I'm not thrilled. Missouri State, they tried. They almost did it. Uh, but this last one, this last one, uh, Wisconsin showed us exactly who they are. And I think the only person that was surprised was Tug. Yeah, we, this is basically exactly what we talked about in last episode, right? Wisconsin's kind of on a more traditional rebuild path where you had a couple transfers, sure. But this is a complete change of scheme, a change of identity as a program and honestly should have expected a kind of similar result to last year. Just now it's in Pullman and not in Madison. So Washington state went in this one, 31, 22 over Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin falls out of the AP top 25. As a result of this, Washington state moves in very good to see for the Cougars. Not great. Cameron, for the Big Ten. Cameron Ward played very well. Uh, Tanner Mordecai honestly didn't look bad. But Cam Ward that. was he was out there doing doing everything, it seemed like from the little bit that I saw yeah. of this game. He was he was running the ball, he was making good throws. I mean, he he really had a stellar game. That all that to say, I think I can for sure give you two. I don't know that I can give you Wisconsin Washington State. The only reason I say that's fair is because it was twenty four to nine and a half. Yeah, but like I think it just it just got sloppy at the end. Yeah, that third quarter was on track to be really good, but Wisconsin couldn't move the ball quickly enough to make it actually interesting. So I think that's fair. I'll I'll take my two games. So Tug Doug's getting a bonus point. I'm getting none. What are we going to give Tug because his first we're game gonna Saint give Thomas him is... fucking nothing. That's what we're going to give cool. him. No, Saint <laughs> Thomas in South Dakota. It was a shutout. Uh, for for the for South Dakota, and I'm I'm sad. I was really expecting St. Thomas to be able to do something, but they got blanked. Well, like I said in our preview show, uh, I'm taking the team that has athletic scholarships in this one. <laughs> it really showed up here. Twenty four to nothing, South Dakota. Wild. That defense played very well. Played as well or better than we talked them up in our conference previews honestly 
uh, only allowing 166 yards total all game to the Tommies. So really good showing for the Coyotes. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. I love seeing the Missouri Valley being successful. Next up, Texas A&M, number 23 Texas A&M, going down to the U, the real Miami, down in Florida, and getting their asses absolutely kicked. Is is Jimbo Fisher the problem? Is Are the boosters the problem? Is NIL the problem? I mean, what is wrong with Texas A&M? It might sound like a cop-out, but I really do believe the answer is a little bit of everything. There are so many problems with Texas A&M. And, yeah, you do have to look at NIL and the way they're recruiting and the way the boosters are influencing that. You're bringing in guys who don't necessarily want to be in the program. You're bringing in guys who aren't bought in. So they're not going to play as hard anyway. Jimbo Fisher has a track record of finding talent and bringing in talent and not necessarily building upon that talent. I know Jameis Winston ended up being number one overall pick under Jimbo Fisher. How much of that do we really attribute to Jimbo Fisher? Yeah. I don't know that anybody necessarily gives gives that number one overall pick status solely to Jimbo or even, even partially. I mean, people talk about Jameis Winston as a, like a separate entity <laughs> in any of those Florida State teams. So – it's uh, kind of like uh, kind of like Michigan State and uh, uh, Mel Tucker Walker. Well, yeah, I was gonna say Walker. I didn't want to bring <laughs> yeah. up Mel Tucker, but you know, we're there. Yeah, we're there now. Replace replace the T with an F. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so you have an overpaid coach, an overpaid college team that none of them exactly wanted to be there in the first place, it seems like. Oil money brought them in. Oil money's keeping them there. And nothing's really holding them together. So it's it's a bad combo of everything. Connor Weigman also, ESPN's really been trying to hype him up. Every time I accidentally watch a bit of ESPN, they're trying to tell me that he's the next best thing. And then he goes out in the second half of this game and just shits the bed. So <laughs> basically getting high in his own product. It was, wow. Tyler Van Dyke threw for almost 400 yards, five touchdowns against what's supposed to be one of the best defensive lines ever. And coaching staff just can't get him there. So, well, you know, they're, they're in the SEC SPN. So, yeah. you know, moving. Well, I mean, Miami's in the ACC SPN. I mean, that's true. Moving right <laughs> along though. We finally had an SEC team go out to Pac-12 land and win a game only the second time in 12 attempts, uh, and they barely did it. This was a hell of a game. I, I think if they played literally – the only other team I think they could have beaten is Stanford. They played literally anybody else. I don't think they stand a chance in this one. This is in spite of a lack of trying, <laughs> as opposed to the classic saying, you know, not for a lack of trying. Uh, Auburn really wanted to lose this game and did everything in their power to do so, and Cal refused to do anything about that. Uh, missing three field goal attempts and only losing by four points is a really bad look. And when there's a stretch of the game, I want to read the results of these drives for Auburn because there was a huge stretch of this game where Auburn 
legitimately sucked at football and was one of the worst products I've ever seen. So Auburn's drives from about the second quarter to about somewhere in the fourth quarter, fumble, punt, interception, turnover on downs, punt. Just didn't want to move the ball. Uh, that's three turnovers and two, the one three and out and one like five and out. That's, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I want to call this a bad game. I think we have a lot of evidence to support that. I, nobody, I we have a- nobody played well in this. Here's, here's the thing. We have two not good games for sure. Right. If we call this one not a good game, his bonus point from last week is neglect negated. There we go. Right. And he's not here to defend it. I, I think I think this you is make fair. You make a compelling argument though. This was, you know, they talk about the oh the Big Ten rock fight. These two teams were fighting with shit. That's how bad they were. They were like monkeys in a cage. I think we also got to deduct a point for him picking two SEC ACC games. <laughs> no, I think this is a great opportunity for us to use our tiebreaker, maybe send the Auburn Cal game to a Twitter poll or a poll on X. Uh see what people think. All right, we'll uh we'll get it up there and uh I'll post that I'll post that here after we finish the show and we'll have the results ready to go on uh on thursday on our thursday live show this will decide if tug gets zero points or if he gets a negative one added to his bonus points total which we would really appreciate because he's kind of kicking our asses right now y'all yeah kind of kicking our asses and this this is misleading i'm still in second by three games you're not in second this week though this week i beat you by two games I'm I'm angry because of this because of this graphic. <laughs> well, I'm the one who creates the slides, so therefore, I was in second for this week. I I would and also like it. to point out, I tied with Tug when it came to picking top twenty-five and rivalry matchups. It was our games where I really yeah. shit the bed, and I shit the bed on my own games. I didn't get any oh, of them yeah. fucking right. <laughs> and we both got all three of them right, and then you missed out all three. Yeah. Oh, man. It was great. <coughs> this is why the pickums are fun, because uh, wild stuff can happen. But wait, there's more. We didn't talk about every good game this weekend. We had plenty more fun stuff happen around college football. Some of these are worth talking about. I don't know if you want to hit on all of these necessarily. We don't necessarily have to. Well, I, picked, I definitely... Uh, there's 16 other games on this slide that ended up being awesome. And <laughs> I definitely want to want to pick the SIU NIU game. I don't want to pick yeah. an SIU game every week. And I had I had a massive brain meltdown where I was like, oh, I'll just take SIU when they're playing SEMO. We take every rivalry game and I'm dumb. Yeah. Uh, I'm I would have considered this game. Uh, I, I, I will save my SIU pick for later in the season when they're playing somebody who's just outside that top 25 or maybe they are this game was near the top of the list of games to pick, and you can see why. And SIU gets that first FCS win over an FBS opponent, beating NIU 14-11. to It seems like 
when they play Illinois, they get dog raced. They get absolutely boat raced. When they play somebody outside the state of Illinois, it's a toss-up of what's going to happen. Kansas State, they were in that game all all game last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, About five years ago, they went down to Memphis and had me sweating. Uh, And then Northern Illinois, it seems like, for whatever reason, they're pretty consistent about beating Northern Illinois, and that held true again this time. Yeah, the first win for an FCS over an FBS this season, as you already said. But there were two more this week, and very nearly three more this week. Fordham over Buffalo, 40-37. to C.J. Montez finally showed up, looking pretty good there in that game. Uh, didn't look good when we picked him, but, man, <laughs> looked great against Buffalo. And then Idaho at Nevada, 33-6. to Nevada just sucks, apparently. Uh, I think we did kind of know that, but this the Vandals just beat them 33-6. to This is Idaho's first win over an FBS team since they dropped back down to the FCS. So it's, it's been a minute. <laughs> and then late night, uh, two very near upsets happened. Eastern Washington took Fresno State to double overtime before Fresno State finally survived 34-31. And then Albany was also within a possession of besting Hawaii in Hawaii in a game that started at 11.59 p.m. Eastern time, and I stayed up for the entire thing because I'm a psychopath. Here's here's what I really want to point out. I, I don't, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on any of these, but these FBS versus FBS matchups that we have up here, Utah, number 12, only beating Baylor 20-13 to 13 after Baylor's terrible showing in week one. Oregon yeah. getting everything they could handle from Texas Tech. Number 13, Oregon going down to Lubbock and only winning 38-30. to 30. Virginia losing to the former uh, FCS champions, now – uh, Sunbelt members, James Madison, 36 to 35, put him in a fucking bowl. And uh, App State taking North Carolina to double OT, losing that one 40 to 34. Week one overreactions, whether it's college or NFL, have your overreactions, enjoy it. It's part of the game. But this is why you just need to remember to just stay, stay calm. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Mac Brown did come out after the game and say he's very happy to be done playing Appalachian State. He will never schedule them again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. I wouldn't either. <laughs> and also, I wanted to shout out Lehigh getting their first win for their brand new head coach in his second game with the program, beating Merrimack, a team who we thought would be much better than Lehigh this season. Looking like Lehigh has a realistic path to maybe a six or seven win season. And I am kind of surprised at that, but also would be very happy with that. Lehigh is a very historic uh, historic program. And seeing them get back to a position of strength would be very fun for all of college football. Absolutely. And you're you're going to watch Robert Morris play this weekend. How, how excited are you to see them pull this one out against St. Francis? Dude, it is wild how much we overrated both St. Francis and Sacred Heart. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, next up, worth talking about the prospects that I had highlighted that we should watch out for, starting with the offensive side of the ball. Trey Harris, the receiver who I learned his name last week, and then he came out in this past game 
and caught another touchdown on another deep ball from Jackson Dart in the very like the first drive of the game. So I thought this was going to go great for me. Uh, but then he just basically stopped doing anything the rest of the ball game. So that's cool. Uh, if you want a deep threat receiver, maybe you look out for Trey Harris. At this point, though, you have to be realistic with that kind of specific weapon. If he's only going to be a deep threat for you, he better run fast the combine. And I don't really know what his 40 time is or should be projected to be, but 6'2", 200 as only a deep threat, kind of sketchy. We'll see what he can do throughout the rest of the season, and that 40 times can be massive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this dude is an absolute burner. You've – man, it's it's a little disappointing that they didn't get a little more done on offense. Like, that, that it was such kind of a close game for him. It was a good test to really kind of see where he's at against Tulane, it would appear. But, man, I don't I don't know. I don't know. And then Kenny Logan Jr. racking up 10 more tackles in this game. I don't know if that's legitimate. I think it might be like eight. Either way, it was a lot of tackles. Almost like he's playing linebacker out there. <laughs> uh, but he plays linebacker an extra 10 yards deep because the linebackers from him can't actually wrap up. So it's that role just way deeper down the field than it ought to be in a real defense that might might translate to him getting fewer tackles and more hands on the ball in the air. Uh, that's not how this works in the year at Kansas. Uh, I did mention Luke Altmaier throwing two picks. They were not Kenny Logan's direction. He didn't have a chance to even go up for him. So no hate there. Also, uh, most of his tackles were really in the run game, which is something that I called out I wanted to see more from, but also that had to do with uh, some missed tackles up front and not necessarily Kenny Logan being down in the box at the line of scrimmage or anything like that. So um, more of an indictment on Kansas's front seven, maybe, than uh, Kenny Logan is who I thought he was. That's all this is saying. <laughs> he's a really good tackler, and if he's in position to make a play on the ball, he will every time. But in his safety role, he's not always in that position. So you're you're looking at a moderately strong safety prospect there. Exactly what I thought he was. Tends to tends to be how it goes. They are who we thought they were. Dennis Green, he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. R.I.P. Wow, what a great podcast. It's just sensational, dude. So good. What I mean, what a great week of college football, too. I mean, even we didn't pick many good games. Maybe we need to rethink how we pick games going forward. But I do think I do think we had quite a good time uh watching football this weekend. Even even though I didn't get to see a ton. My my sleep schedule got all kinds of messed up. My son had his first uh flag football game. I have I have words for the the uh the city that put the teams together. But he had fun. That's all that matters. Uh, however, it did mean I was up a lot later, uh, which made going to sleep even harder because there was all kinds of football going on by the time I got home. And as soon as I saw one score, I was like, ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get all of them now. 
I think one of our problems is we've been a little bit conservative in our picks, trying to make some obvious plays or something like that. We got to be a little bit risky out here, make some bold decisions. I took Citadel. I took Citadel against Campbell. All right, That's on. the only one that we could really say was a bold pick. I mean, fair. I don't know. My Missouri State UT Martin poll was kind of out of nowhere, but it ended up being great. We got, so. <laughs> we got links to read, don't we? Because Tug's not here, so we got to read them. Uh, all I'm going to say is they've been scrolling across the bottom of the screen. If you're watching, if you're listening, they're in the description. Go check us out. BDT football basically everywhere. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. And let's not forget, we haven't shouted them out in a little bit. There's been a little bit of a rebranding with our new friends, our new partners here. Yeah. Uh, now now known as the Fanatics Network, if you saw at the beginning of the podcast, uh, they had a little tribute uh, in memoriam of the uh, 9-11, September 11th tragedy that took place back in 2001 here in the States. Uh, we'll go, we'll, we'll close out with that today as well. And uh, we will see you all next week. Have a good one. Peace.